What's up, people? Another episode of Just For Sport here with Jamoke, and it's a big day in the NBA. It's the NBA trade deadline day. Night by now, as I'm recording this, I am really excited about what these trades mean for the NBA. I think that this may be the most pivotal trade deadline of all time. It's historic, and I will explain why. I'm also going to talk about a little bit of my frustration, but more being like uh, predicting that what happened in the NHL with the firing of the NHL referee, what that may do to the referees across the league. And then taking it even further across the all of the leagues, really, all of the leagues. Tim Peel is his name. Apparently he was, according to AP reports, he was set to retire next month anyway. So this is more of an early exit for the 54-year-old Peel. But I will get into why what he did with unfortunately being caught with the hot mic and making a makeup call may affect not just the NHL, but the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, college sports, and down the line. But first, let's talk about the NBA trades. And the funny thing is you check out DraftKings.com and the other sports books. There are several teams that they have taken off the books to reach the playoffs. As I did air quotes there. There are even some lines that aren't available for division winners because there were some big moves today. There are also a lot of teams on here that you can quickly grab if you want to for conference winner and championship winner. But to reach the playoffs, you know, there are only one, two, three, four, five, six teams available that you can get bets on right now. But I digress. I am going to speed through every pick and what I think it means for the team and the league. Because there were a bevy of them. And as I talked about the reason for why we had so many trades in my mind and why it's in some ways historic, even though I know you may not 100% be thinking about it that way, it's because of the play-in tournament. There's more at stake, and I think this is here to stay for the NBA. There's more at stake for these teams, and it was proof in the pudding with how many trades were made. You know, the 7th seed through the 10th seed, they're not automatically put into the playoffs. They have to do this play-in tournament. So a team like Chicago, even though they're in the 10th seed, they're still in it. Same for the Pacers, Boston Celtics, and Hawks. Technically, if there was just 1 through 8 made the playoffs, they're in the playoffs. But even if you look at the Toronto Raptors, who actually chose not to trade Kyle Lowry, and I am very happy about that. The Cleveland Cavaliers, 
I don't know if I can go far than say the Wizards and the Magic, but they're not far off. They're only four and a half games out of that 10th spot. So teams have more of a legitimate shot. And in the Western Conference, you got the Dallas Mavericks through the Golden State Warriors through that 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th, San Antonio Spurs, Memphis Grizzlies. And they're all within two games of each other. The New Orleans Pelicans are two and a half games out of the 10th spot. And the Sacramento Kings and Oklahoma City Thunder are only three games back. So a lot of teams here had a potential to make a trade to help their team. So here we go, down the line. Winners and losers in this and what it means for division winners. Spurs complete their buyout agreement with Aldrich. If he's available, you need a veteran forward. He's available. And I think that uh, they say uh, the Miami Heat may be in the front running to get him, and they need some front court help. So we'll see what happens there. I'm sure Aldrich wants to go to a, a championship contender. I don't know if there's a winner and loser in that trade. I think the Spurs were just kind of like, yeah, let's part our separate ways. I think if anything, you know, the Spurs were, they've lost three in a row, four and six in their last 10, but they're three games over 500. Let's see if maybe finally saying, hey, we're done with LaMarcus Aldridge makes him a better team. He's a seven-time All-Star. I guess we'll see. The Raptors decided not to trade Kyle Lowry. And I like that. But at the same time, the reports from ESPN, NBA.com, and others on Twitter is that it was more that the Raptors could not find the right deal. My thing is for a player like Raptor, for him, for the rap or for a player like Lowry on the Raptors, I still like the thought of players ending their careers without, uh, you know, bouncing around to a bunch of different teams, even though one of those players, Michael Jordan, I'm happy he was on the Wizards. Lonzo Ball is staying with New Orleans, and the Mavericks get J.J. Redick. The Mavericks are 23-19, and 19, probably what no one expected them to be. They could use some more firepower off the bench. Okay, not a bad trade. We'll see what it does there. The Celtics trade Daniel Tice. For Mo Wagner, whom the Bulls got in a trade with Washington earlier. I don't know what Washington is doing. But they did let Troy Brown go. We'll get into that a little bit later. We'll get into that later. The Warriors are reportedly trading Brad Wanamaker, Lesko Pip, and Marquise Chris to the Hornets. The Hornets need some guard play with LaMelo Ball being out. This is a very tenuous position for the Charlotte Hornets. They are 22 and 21. The player 
that seem to bring a little bit more life to him. I mean, come on, 22 and 21 is not great. But as I said earlier, talking about LaMelo Ball in the earlier, earlier episode, he did help. He was a leading candidate for rookie of the year. They are a half a game up on the Heat, Knicks, and Hawks. And one and a half games on the Celtics, two games up on the Pacers. So a lot of teams within striking distance of the Hornets. So this actually, I think in many ways, at least for the player, probably works for Brad Wanamaker. He goes to a team where maybe he can make a little bit more of a difference. Maybe. Eh, slightly. The Heat get Victor Oladipo from the Houston Rockets. Now, I don't know what was the point of that. I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter about, oh, great. You think about what Houston got for James Harden, which is nothing. Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk. Uh, people are not too happy in Houston with that trade. Now, I think they will still make the playoffs. Ironically, you can get the Hornets to make the playoffs at plus 125. That is one of the teams still on the board. But I think for the Heat, when you're looking at a division winner, they're already the favorite to win the division. So Victor Oladipo does help them in a bid to challenge, really, the Brooklyn Nets to to win the division, the conference. I don't know if that's possible. I meant conference, not division. But the Heat, you can get them at plus 1,200. I think it's a good move for the Heat. Take a flyer on Victor. He was averaging 20.8 points per game, five rebounds, 4.7 assists, 1.2 steals. He didn't want to be in Houston, so they let him go. Okay. So that's how that goes. The Cavs are sending JaVale McGee back to the Nuggets, the three-time NBA champion. That is, I think, a good move for Denver. They now have a decent backup for Jokic, the Joker. He can protect the rim. And McGee is a stronger veteran presence. And they needed that. And I don't care what you want to say about JaVale McGee. He won three championships. If you don't respect him, which I do, but I, you know, maybe I'm a little bit of a homer with him. Bottom line is, I know two franchises you respect and players you respect in Steph Curry. Coaches as well. Steve Kerr in the Golden State Warriors and LeBron James in the Los Angeles Lakers said, JaVale McGee was worth having on our team. He is value added. And he helped them win a championship. So don't bad talk my guy JaVale McGee. I won't stand for it. Won't stand for it. Andre Drummond, who knows what's going to happen with him. Oh my. Ugh. I don't know. That's really, that's really interesting. I'll come back to that one. The Magic trade all-star center Nikola Vucevic to the Chicago Bulls. I like that move for the Chicago Bulls. 
they get a more veteran presence. Al Farouk Aminu also comes to the Bulls and Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter and two first round picks go to the Magic. I don't really know what that, I mean, I guess Wendell Carter Jr., former number seven overall pick. He was averaging just under 11 points per game. He wasn't starting. Maybe he needs a, you know, a, um, a new beginning. I don't know. Porter is an expiring contract. It's a final year of a contract. He's, you know, making just under 29 mil, just over $28 million a year. You can let him go next year. Yeah, I wish it would have worked out in Chicago. I know his family was happy that he was a lot closer to the team. Uh, you know, he's from outside of St. Louis, so the family could easily, it was easier for them to see him play in Chicago, although the pandemic didn't really allow them to do that this year, this season, and in the bubble at the end of last season, but for part of the time. But I don't know what the Orlando Magic are doing. Are they giving up on the season? You know, they want to start over a little bit younger because they made more moves. Evan Fournier is now going to the Boston Celtics. He was averaging a career-best 19.7 points per game. It was like he was slumping. He may have been down from last year in the shooting percentage. I think this works better for, much better for Boston. They need more firepower after letting Gordon Hayward go to the Charlotte Hornets. Boston, 21-23. and 23, Not what anybody expected that team to be. I think there's still some maturation needed for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe now that you have a little more firepower, maybe it helps. Maybe it helps. As I mentioned, the Bulls get Mo Wagner and Troy Brown Jr., And Washington gets Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson. I know for, hey, the Wizards, that's my home team. I don't know what they are doing. I don't know what they were doing. But we'll see. That's all I can say. I don't think this necessarily makes either team better. And then obviously, as I mentioned earlier, Mo Wagner was shipped to another team. He's out anyway. But this doesn't make, in my mind, it's not a record-breaking move. You know, I think we're going to say, okay, well, maybe, you know, it, it's a, a fresh start for the players, but it's not anything that I look at that makes either team significantly better than before. Chicago Bulls plus 180 to make the playoffs. They're in that 10th spot. I think they're getting the better out of a lot of these deals. We'll see how Mo Wagner and Troy Brown do in Chicago. The Nuggets, they get Aaron Gordon and forward Gary Clark for guards Gary Harris. And R.J. Hampton. 
and a 2025 first round pick. I am seeing a Denver team that is saying, hey, hey, last year was no fluke. We're not happy where we are so far. They're the fifth seed, 26 and 18. We want to get better. So we're trading for two quality players, JaVale McGee and Aaron Gordon. And I think makes that team a lot better. They were seven and three in their last 10. This really helps them. And the Lakers are struggling. Oh man, the Lakers have lost three in a row. Obviously, if you get LeBron James and Anthony Davis back, then it doesn't matter what seed they are, they're going to be one of the top teams. And you probably don't want to face them, whether you got home court advantage or not. But Denver, you can get them at plus 2,000 right now, 20 to 1, to win the Northwest Division. I would actually take that. That's a good long shot bet. There's six and a half out. That's a lot. But I also said that I think the Jazz were peaking a little early. They may fall back to the pack. And the kind of trade that you do, that you make to get JaVale McGee and Aaron Gordon may make a big difference. May make a big difference. The 76ers are getting point guard George Hill. Now, the thing that I like about this deal is I look at a Sixers team that maybe, maybe will now be able to, first of all, if you want to get them to win the division, you can get them at plus 225 to win the Atlantic division. They are behind the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, excuse me, ahead of the Brooklyn Nets by one and a half games. But they are behind the Brooklyn Nets as far as the favorite to win the division. The Nets are at minus 335. But it's not like they only play each other. So, you know, 76ers, they've won three in a row. They won nine out of their last 10. They just got to keep up the pace. Keep up the pace with the Nets. But I think in my mind, that is, that I think that's a good deal. Now you can... Play Ben Simmons off the ball a little more. That's a good move for them. The Portland Trailblazers acquire the Raptors' Norman Powell. I know that's not the trade everybody thought the Toronto Raptors would make. But if you look at where the Portland Trailblazers are, they probably aren't going to win the Northwest Division. But this is a good move for them as far as kind of 
keeping their place in the playoffs. Right now, they're the sixth seed, one and a half games up on the Dallas Mavericks. The record is 25 and 18. They've lost two in a row. They could use some scoring, and they got a good one. Powell is averaging just under 20 points per game, a career best 43.9% from three point land. That's a good move for them. And Powell has, he's an unrestricted free agent, so you can rent the player for a little bit, then he's gone. The Raptors could use more firepower, and I like that trade for him. I like that trade for him. There are some smaller trades in the NBA that I don't think have as much impact on the teams. But I think one trade that cannot be overlooked to help the city and the teams is Sweet Lou Williams being traded from the Clippers to the Hawks. Now, the Clippers get a solid veteran point guard who is well-respected and can help kind of steady the offense, take some of the load off of Kawhi Leonard and playoff P, pandemic P, Paul George, whatever you want to call him. The weird thing is, obviously, I hope that wherever Rajon Rondo was living in L.A., maybe that place was available still, or he didn't even move his stuff because now he's back in L.A. playing in the same arena, Staples Center. The Clippers, 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Not good, but they won three in a row. 29-16 is their record. Four games behind the Utah Jazz. And now they have a veteran point guard that can really help that team. You want to look at the Clippers. They're at plus 220 to win the conference. And they're at plus 500 to win the NBA championship. And I think Rajon Rondo helps them do both. Their division is off the board, at least on DraftKings, which I find very interesting. Wonder what that new number will be. The Phoenix Suns have a very slim one-game lead in the Pacific Division over the Clippers and one and a half games over the Lakers. We'll see when that comes back on the board. Looking right now, the Spurs, Hornets, Pacers, Pelicans, Bulls, and Golden State Warriors are the only teams on the board that you can bet on to reach the playoffs. And before I forget, man, I almost forgot. Lou Williams, he now gets to get some of those wings from uh, a establishment in Atlanta that very well may have cost the Clippers a chance at the NBA championship in the bubble. Caused quite a stir as Lou Williams had to sit out more games than he would have liked to because he got caught getting those uh, lemon wings. Well, no more of that. Well, at least it won't be a problem because there is no bubble. So no more of quarantining. You want to go get the wings? Go get the wings. 
Sweet Lou. Six man of the year, three-time award winner. Let's see what he can do for Atlanta. Atlanta is a half a game out of the top of the Southeast Division. And in the conference, they're creeping up eight and two in their last two, in their last ten, but they lost two in a row. They're five hundred on the season. Tonight's gonna be interesting to see. You know, it's gonna take a little bit for the for the new players to gel. But I like what I see. I like what I see. And hopefully with your team, you are happy with what the teams did or didn't do. The Bucks didn't do much. The Nets didn't do anything, right? So there were some teams that said, no, we're good. The Phoenix Suns said, we're good. The Lakers, I was surprised. that Maybe, maybe they're still waiting. Maybe they're going to get LaMarcus Aldridge. Maybe they're going to get Andre Drummond. They need to get a little bigger. They need some size. Maybe that's what they do. That's a possibility. But we shall see. What we all shall, shall, shall see, dang, it was like tongue, tongue twister, is what's going to happen with not just the NHL, but the other leagues as well, and even in college sports, after the hot mic cost NHL referee Tim Peel his career. One headline I didn't want to see, NHL refs, career's over. Makeup calls in hockey. If you didn't know, but I'm sure, you know, maybe you did know. That NHL referee Tim Peel was let go by the National Hockey League after he was caught with an open mic saying that the tripping penalty he gave, that gave, that it wasn't much, that he wanted to get a bleeping penalty had an expletive there against Nashville Nashville early in the and then it cut off the audio cut off and the thing that bothers me the most about that is I know that it's not easy to be a referee it really isn't I hear it all the time from my dad who happens to be a referee the how you have to make a call and my dad's on no way near the level of the NBA or MLB NHL any of that but even on his level it's hard to make calls the game's moving so fast you have a split second to make a call I may be in the minority here But I actually feel like the game needs more replay. Because each call doesn't just affect that game or that player. It can have ramifications for teams in terms of making the playoffs.
One game can be the difference between making the playoffs and a coach being fired or a player not getting a new contract or a sports team's department losing a member or two. There are a lot of ramifications that some of it may not matter to everyone. I get that. I get that. But the integrity, the integrity of referees across all leagues is at stake. Because you shouldn't have makeup calls. You shouldn't be making mistakes. And I know there's a human element to the game and, and there are people out there that love that human element with referees and with players. But financially, more and more it seems to come down to dollars and cents. The sense to be able to make the right call. The correct call. And if a referee, an umpire cannot make the correct call on the court, field, ice, diamond, then there needs to be oversight. And that oversight is replay. I don't like makeup calls. It's ridiculous. Because you messed up a call for one team, you just phantomly give the other team a call? Why? It's just not fair. I read a quote from the Carolina coach Rod Brindamore. He says that, uh, quote, it seems to always, he said, watch what happens at the end of games, unquote. It seems to always, or quote, it, ke- it seems to always get a power play, the team that's behind. I think it's just human nature. It's hard. I know they're not trying to do that. I don't believe that that's how they go about it. It's just human nature to maybe look for the teams that's down, but it seems to happen all the time. Well, it shouldn't happen, unquote. Which seems to happen all, all the time. That was the end of his quote. I am saying it should not happen. And for the vice president of hockey operations for the NHL, Colin Campbell, to say, quote, nothing is more important than ensuring the integrity of our game, unquote, and that Peel's conduct, quote, is in direct contradiction to the adherence to that cornerstone principle that we demand from our officials and that of our fans, players, coaches, and all those associated with our game expect and deserve. Yeah, right. Players? Deserve to not have referees affecting games the way that they do. 
there's just too much at stake. And as you always hear, oh, the referees are not supposed to be a part of the game. And yet more and more the referees are the ones that seem to be affecting games, especially late in games, sometimes more than players, the mistakes that they're making. Look at the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament for Troy. Troy had a chance to beat Texas Tech. The ref missed, made one bad call on a charge that wasn't a charge, and they missed over and back. A possession or two later, if I remember correctly. And that's, you look at a team, even in college like Troy, that's money that I know, yeah, okay, at the basis wins and losses, but that's also money that that school, if they had won that game, would be getting to better their program. It might have ripple effects for the players on that team to get a little more exposure. Maybe they get drafted by the WNBA. And referees in college, in the pros, at some point is tipping the scale of them really hurting the game more than they're helping. In the Australian Open, they use a computer to track if the ball was in or out. Because due to pandemic, they didn't want as many linesmen on the court with the players. And I know that you can't have computers calling fouls and other leagues, and that's just strictly about the lines calls. But I imagine for a player, in their minds, there's a finality where you're like, okay, I know the call is right or wrong. The human eye is not perfect. A human, the emotion that a ref can be affected by with either that particular game or something that happened at home or something, you know, right before the game, not feeling well. There's too much at stake. And the leagues are going to, this is, to my mind, it's going to have ripple effects on all of the leagues that they're going to have to look at the referees you know, even from the other side where, you know, the the top players in the NBA, the conspiracy theories that they always get the calls. It's got to stop. Foul's a foul. Travel's a travel. How many times have I talked about travel? Come on. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. And I hate it to see a referee of Tim Peel's caliber being taken down. And now you see that the, the curtain has been removed, so to speak. You have to know that, right? 
you have to see that now you know what really happens, how the referees are affecting games. And the league doesn't want to tell you, oh, well, maybe we are asking them to do that, that somehow it's been kept secret all this time that, you know, somehow it came down from a league mandate. Hey, make sure you give makeup calls. You see a team down by 20 points in the NBA, maybe don't give the other team so many calls. Just let them play. Or call a few fouls for the team that's down. Against, you know, to help the team that's down, if you were confused by what I said there. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. And we'll see if, um, keep my eye on how that may affect the future of leagues. Maybe not right now with the leagues playing right now. It's only so many changes they can make in the middle of a season. But it may be something down the road that you understand. Even if nothing else, the fact that maybe we've gone too far with miking up players and coaches and referees. Maybe that's going to be the ramification of what this does. But either way, it's going to hurt the game. Already has. That'll do it for Just for Sport. Hope you've enjoyed the show. I know I have. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching NBA basketball, seeing what happens with the rest of this trade deadline and NCAA basketball. March Madness picking up back up this weekend. It's going to be fun. And hope you enjoy it too. New podcast coming out on Monday. Ciao for now.